Welcome to episode 105 of the Animal Addicts podcast. On today's episode, Casey talks about a bird that has been seen for the first time in over 140 years. And I talk about another dog breed, the Azawak. We learn about two new picks, which I think are adorable, and about our animal of the week, which is sort of cute. So let's get to it. Episode 105 of the Animal Addicts podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 105, or 105, of the Animal Addicts Podcast. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new batch of fun animals. But before we get into that, Casey, what have you been up to since I last saw you? I've been starting to do parts of tours. Okay. How's that? Good. I'm not completely forgetting what to say. Okay. That's good. (laughs) like, no, because like, I broke my jaw when I was a kid, so I have a speech impediment. It's like... Do not sound stupid while you're talking about animals. <laughs> it's like something I'm just paranoid about. It's like, okay. It's like, also, just don't give me any weird questions. I'd be more worried about that. I'd be yeah. like, oh, God, what are they going to come up with? Oh, my God. It's like, it's funny because, like, one of the first animals I did was an aeromastics. It's a mm-hmm. lizard with spiky tail. And, like, it was funny because, like, the little girl's, like, just non-reactive to me. Yeah. And of course, I get my luck. I'm handling the reptiles, and I get people that are not reptile people. Okay. And the little girl was just terrified of it. Oh no! I was like, okay, so it's a short script, so it's like I finished that quickly. But then we rounded out the next animal, and I can't remember what we did. I think it was an armadillo. No, wait, it was a hedgehog that I did, and she didn't want to touch it. They're cool looking. Yeah. They look like dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, li- I like them. They're really cool. I think they're cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was surprised she didn't want to because she was a little girl, so it's like the only animals she could touch were the mammals. Mm-hmm. And the one animal she wanted to touch yeah. was our rosy boa. Really? Which, yes, and it's like, oh, you can't touch it. Oh, <laughs> no. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so what were the animals she didn't want to touch that were mammals? Hedgehog and armadillo, I think. Well, I mean, a hedgehog might look a little scary. Yeah. And an armadillo. Oh, they are freaking cute, but it's a little girl. Yeah. And then an armadillo. I mean, that looks a bit rough. <laughs> that looks a bit rough. Holy jolly. But I don't know why you'd want to not touch an armadillo, but you do want to touch a snake. Yeah. Because that's kind of similar. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of weird. Yeah. And then it was funny one time. Um, I know. <laughs> I was. Again. No. Um, I was holding one of our boa constrictors. Yeah. And, like, the techniques for it are the belt, where it's, like, you kind of just lift them, wrap around there. Mm-hmm. It was Peaches, who's the most handleable, easygoing snake. But today, that day, she wanted to be a limp noodle. <laughs> so no. I, was, I was holding her so much. And it's, like, you look at the boa constrictors. He's, yeah. like, I can hold you. Then you're actually holding them. It's, like, they decide to move. <laughs> it's, like, oh, you're heavier than a... <laughs> yeah, they're heavy. If they're yes. good size, they're heavy. Yeah, and they're strong, too. So it's... <laughs> I was initially doing the belt, then I had to go back over. Because <laughs> she just did not want to sport herself that day. <laughs> like, why you do this to me? <laughs> She's like, I'm training you. Yeah. But yeah. See, I would love to do that stuff and mm-hmm. tell people about animals. I'd be like, yeah. this is perfect for me. Yeah, I like it. It's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so I've handled pretty much all the reptiles. Mm-hmm. Only thing I haven't handled is Buford, our toad. 
the right. Canto. Well, you probably shouldn't be handling him. Well, we do at some shows, but like we keep him above a little tub and don't bring him around. And obviously, kids aren't going to touch, touch him because, <laughs> of course, kids be <laughs> <laughs> no. I learned out was like apparently there's some people that decide to go suck on these things to get high. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like, why? But I've heard them doing that with other toads. I didn't yeah. know they do it with cane toads, mm-hmm. but I heard they do it with other toads. Yeah, because it's like a neurotoxin. It's like, eh. oh my god, there are better ways to get high, people. I know. <laughs> but yeah, um, the one that was honestly I felt most difficult was one of our cavies. <laughs> Not that he was like struggling at all while I'm holding him. It's just the positioning is awkward because I have to. Sup- I forget. Is he like a? Um. Oh my god. Kind of like a giant guinea pig. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Continue, yep. sorry. Yeah, and it's like, because I have to support his bum, have his legs, and his legs are, front legs are like that, and I'm supporting his underside. It's just not the most comfortable position yeah. sometimes. Um, And the, the possums are easy to hold. That's good. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of pick them up and it's like support them and give them the bull treats. Like a cat, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Okay, nice. <laughs> and... <laughs> The one that was funniest was probably sugar gliders because the ones we have now are not very handleable to begin with, especially mm-hmm. compared to the, the previous two that they had. So, like, when they were showing me, <laughs> it wasn't the most graceful trying to get them in the first place. Do they try to get away from you or they're yeah. just, okay. They're like, no, no, mm-hmm. I want nothing to do with you. Yeah. They're so cute. Yeah, but why people want them as pets is beyond me because they're cute yeah i just think it's like, like it's the same thing as getting a puppy it's cute mm-hmm. and you don't think about all the work that goes with it yeah except for with sugar gliders you're gonna be up all night mm-hmm. <laughs> and they stink yeah a lot they're of those so messy stink. too honestly mice really stunk too oh yeah i was sad about that mm-hmm. i was like i would not get them again just because of the stink and mm-hmm. the fact that they die yeah too young yeah and hedgehogs i've seen some people that say they're great pets i was like no it's like they want to sleep all day. They want nothing to do with you during the daytime. There is one that I can work with easily. The other one's like, no, I'm going balls spikes immediately. But I have seen people who do have hedgehogs that are yeah. more friendly and stuff. Yeah, they can be. It's just not. Do the they norm. stink though? No, they don't stink. Oh, okay, good to know. But when they're a ball of spikes, they're not. Whole well, no. <laughs> uh, and it hurts more than you think. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like, we have gloves to hold them. Yeah. I never do it because, like, no, I don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> it does sting a bit. They're so cute, though. One time I almost got a porcupine quill in my hand, though, because I took our tablecloth that we bring to shows and yeah. it's like, oh, there's a quill. <laughs> and I nearly grabbed it. Ooh. I would, I would have lucked out. That would have sucked. Yep. I don't know why that immediately makes me think of Homer Brown. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah, but I remember one of the first times going in with Penel. Uh, not Penelope. That's a she passed. Um, Snoopy. Um, it's like it's like she immediately turned around. It's like okay, I'm not coming towards you. I'm just waiting for you to come to me to give you breakfast. <laughs> like please don't, yeah. please don't get mad at me. Yeah, I still need to learn how to crate her. Oh gosh. I'm always. I've had to carry her in her crate a few times, and mm-hmm. I'm cautious because like she's a rodent, and it's like she'll like nibble on your fingers when you're holding her. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, that's a big rodent, too. That Mm -hmm. would hurt. Yep. Anyway. Okay. Well, that's exciting. Yep. New things. You're working there three or four days? Three days. Okay. Nice. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. Well, um, not exactly a segue. Some of the animals he's spoken of, you would see at a zoo. There you go. I went to the zoo a little while back, and the albino axolotl was out. So it was so exciting. They're so cute. 
And then it was crazy because I was trying because my foot's all jacked up. So I'm that's the whole reason I went to the zoo because I was like, it's easier to not walk at the zoo than at the park because you can get on the bus and like the top part is mostly flat mm-hmm. at least. Whereas like at the park, either you're going to go up to like Condor Ridge, which is a hill, mm-hmm. or you're going to go down below, which is mostly a hill. <laughs> so I was like, mm, okay. So I went to the zoo and I went on the bus and it was, you know, whatever. It was boring. The bus isn't that great. The zoo, let's be real. Um, <laughs> and they didn't even talk about who do they just completely ignore. It wasn't the bomb to Bach. It was somebody over there. And they didn't even talk about them. And I was just like, I'm annoyed that you didn't. Oh, the Garanooks. They didn't even mention oh, them. Really? We just passed them. And they're just like, oh, the bomb to Bach's I think I've like, been on the bus once, so I honestly cannot remember what they're all supposed to say. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was kind of weird. But anyway, so, um, so we did that. Although I liked this bus driver because she was a little, this is how I would be if I was doing it. She was a little bit jungle cruisy. Oh, yeah. So she'd do like, you know, joke type things. She's like, oh, so if you, if you drop something over the side, everybody do this with me. Raise your right hand. Okay. And wave it goodbye because we're not <laughs> stopping to pick it up. And then, and then she was like, we got over the tigers and she's like, okay, top deck. Do you see anything? No. Bottom deck. Do you see anything? No. Do you know what that means? What? We're moving on. <laughs> Really enjoy you as a oh my gosh <laughs> like you're great i love this see anyway. like i try to do funny things like that mm-hmm. <laughs> like i've talked about the hairs on the armadillo it's like this is not just a fashion statement that's a purpose <laughs> <laughs> or like some like now do you think i'd bring a poisonous snake out for you and they're like no it's like well i did <laughs> it's like i'm kidding <laughs> i would enjoy it i'd be all down to- well, you gotta make some- it cheesy though yeah but anyway, so I, I enjoyed that tour because I was like, oh, girl, I want you again. You're fun. Anyway, so I'm like, I would be like you. Anyway, um, but we didn't go in the, like, urban jungle area, mm-hmm. which we always do on the bus, and we didn't this time. So I'm like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I did that. But it was crazy because I went over to the children's zoo, and I hit that early so it wasn't super crowded. And then um, I say the children's zoo, wildlife explorers, base camp, whatever the fuck. Anyway, so um, – and I was over, I was waiting because they were going to do one of the encounter things, and I never get there in time to do these things. So I go wait over there, and then um, and then there's a woman, like, back, backstage, I'll call it, and she's, like, standing with the gate partially open, and she's like, are you waiting for someone? I'm like, no. And I didn't tell her I was waiting just for the show. She's like, do you want to be part of a training exercise? I'm like, obviously, yes. So then she brought me to this backstage area, which they must, I have a feeling they must do for people who pay money, mm-hmm. because it's definitely behind the main gate thing, and they have their little usually they call an animal encounter at the park right? yeah they have that little stage over there so that's what that's for so i'm like this must be a behind the scenes thing and we used to go back there and they bring out and then it was funny she's like oh and then i can i was wearing one of our shirts <laughs> she was like oh and then i can see your shirt and i was like oh yeah it's our podcast that uh we talked about and she's like oh what is it about i'm like oh we talk about different animals different regions yada yada, yada. she's like well you probably haven't talked about this animal <laughs> get in there i'm like we have because <laughs> it was a binturong but it was really cool to see them like actually up close and like you know mm-hmm. really close and like see them like using his tail to like get down his name was boo boo mm-hmm. boo the binturong he's cute mm. and then i gotta pet him obviously behind his head yeah <laughs> and he was just so sweet and he was adorable and they were trying to get him to like i think they were just working on socializing with people and they mm-hmm. wanted to do off-leash type stuff so i think that's why they only wanted like you know one person or whatever mm. but anyway so i got to do this like extra training stuff so that was fun and then um i don't remember what else and then it was just so funny because obviously they're called the bear cat and their face kind of looks like a cat a little bit but then when they stand up on their hind feet they really do look like bears yeah so it's like you do look like a bear look at you that's so cool <laughs> But anyway, so that was really fun because I got to do a little extra When thing. they're screaming at each other, they also sound like a cat. Do they? Yes. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he was really cool. 
And then, so that worked out well. I was like, well, this was just a stroke of luck because I just happened to be on my own and no one was around, yeah. so I got to do that. Mm. And then they brought out a Virginia opossum for their actual encounter. What was the name of the opossum? I don't remember. <gasps> How dare you? I don't remember. But then also, I, I, I know we've talked about opossums because I think I chose one once. I didn't realize they don't live that long. Oh, no. Yeah, They're they very short-lived. Yeah. Anyway, I was the like, wild, that's just two years sad. in captivity, like five. I was just like, that's really, really sad. I know. It's like, I have two older opossums I work with. Oh, it's no. like Lilo Stitch. You, you know what's going to happen. You, you can't go. I tell you, you can't. <laughs> anyway, so it was a pretty good day at the zoo. Um, it was really windy, so they had the sky fari thing down, mm-hmm. which is sad because I like doing that. Um, but anyway, I mostly just, yeah, I, I did that and I went down by like the leopard. The friggin' red pandas were actually out for once. Oh, really? So it's like all of them. I was like, thank you. Mm. And then the Takans were there, of course. Um, and I don't know what else. Seriously. Obviously, I didn't do a lot of stuff because I can't walk much. Yeah. <laughs> period. Mm. But I definitely can't do like hills and stuff because I'm supposed to not be bending my foot. So anyway, it was a situation. And I did the kangaroo bus thing because I never do that. But I was like, well, I'll catch that down by the leopards. And then I can take that up to where, like the polar bears are. So that worked out. Anyway, but it was that a fun... was just the transport thing, right? Yeah, the That's... kangaroo bus is the one that has like four stops. Uh... But some of those stops are kind of weird because there's two that are really close to each other. I'm like, what mm-hmm. is the point of this? Anyway, so um, but it is it is helpful. So if you are not able to walk a lot because you have an issue like I do or whatever your reason, it, the zoo is easier to get around. I will say. And I did on my way up because I had a time limit. I found I wanted to go into the big big av- aviary, but I didn't get to because I didn't have time. Yeah. But I went to one of the smaller ones. And I finally saw our freaking um, cock of the rock. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it's it's like in another mm-hmm. separate thing. Yep. Inside the aviary, I was like, why <laughs> is there? This is weird. So I couldn't really see him very well, and his color was very dull. Mm. But I'm like, but the markings look like it is you, and as far as I can tell, your head looks the most like you versus another bird that's in here. Mm-hmm. And I did verify. Because there's a person standing there, which usually there isn't by the aviaries. They have these little pads in front of the aviary entrance. And she's like, yeah, if you can just step on that first and then come in. And I'm like, and I was like, I bet that's sanitizer. <laughs> she's like, yep. <laughs> so you just stand on it so your shoes get sanitized mm-hmm. and then you come in. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And then they have all their flamingos. Of course, I've said it before. Their main flamingos up front are not up front. Now they have these very nice statues <laughs> in there. But now they put all their flamingos down at the bottom kind of by where the eagles are. Mm-hmm. Now they're all mixed in together. And then all the penguins from the Africa Rocks yeah. are over in, like, Bear Canyon or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, in the old otter enclosure. Yeah. So, anyway, because they're working on that apparently. But, anyway, so it was a, su- a successful trip to the zoo with a special little extra. I was told it's because of bird flu. Uh, I, it's probably both. <laughs> I would imagine it's also because of bird flu because they're yeah. open. But they said they're working on the exhibit. I don't uh, know why they would lie about that and then say that the other ones are <laughs> off for bird flu. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, um, so it was it was a good trip to the zoo. I don't think there was anything else too much going on there, but it was a it was an entertaining day, I suppose. So go early in the morning is a suggestion. Still couldn't see the Sheltapusik. Did not actually nothing in that nothing in that enclosure. Yeah, Shelter- oh, yeah. I remember now. Yeah, they also that really pretty lizard. Mm-hmm. And he also was not out. Nobody was out in that one. I didn't see mm-hmm. anyone from that exhibit at all. They were all hiding. It's always fun explaining to people why it's a legless lizard and not a snake. Yeah. But if you look at the face, it's clearly a lizard. Mm-hmm. Which is why your you know what's also a lizard? worm thing is terrifying. What? <laughs> the basilisk in Harry Potter. Yes. Okay, great. In Lord of the Rings, we always make that reference. In all of these things. <sighs> Speaking of, that made me think of D&D for some reason. And we have to do fun facts for one of them. And I told them, I was like, oh... 
I want to have a um, markhor as a mount for jumping on rocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, what's a markhor? And I'm like, funny thing. I never would have known a horn for the podcast, but look at these crazy horns. <laughs> and they were like, oh, that's cool. I'm like, yeah, it is. It's real cool. Anyway. All right. But that was my little experience. So let's get into what we want to talk about today. And Casey, tell us about um, your, you know, the Photoshop. Uh, <laughs> PNG. Yes. PNG. Photoshop. Mm-hmm. What is that? I don't know what that actually stands for. <laughs> it has to be photo something. Okay. So this one's PNG stands for Papua New Guinea. Mm-hmm. And they found a large pigeon that has been lost for signs for over a century. So, as a I mentioned, a live one or like a fossil? It's a live one. Okay. It's a live bird. Okay. So, yes. So, it is a subspecies of a t- a terrestrial species of pigeon in Papua New Guinea, and it hasn't been seen since it was discovered back in d- described back in 1883, so over 140 years. Okay. Yep. The 80s were 40 years ago? Not quite. 83. It's 22. Almost. <laughs> Nearly 100. <gasps> oh, my God. I feel so old. Yeah, close enough. Oh, my God. Anyway, yes. okay. But it, it was captured using a remote. It is called the, it's a subspecies called the black-naped pheasant pigeon. Okay. And they caught a picture of it using a remote camera trap. And basically, they had to spend a month trying to searching throughout the area to try to find these photos of it. And, um... It was in association with the Papua New Guinea National Museum, Cornell Lab of Ornithology, and the American Bird Conservancy. So they spent a month interviewing locals and trying to find promising locations. And then some of the locals were saying it's like they've spotted the bird in like this area or that area. So they painstakingly decided which spots to put the camera traps and they placed them down. And they said when they put them down, they said, I give us a 1% chance of actually getting a picture. And they were actually successful. Yay. Yep. Can I see this bird? Yes, if you I can. If I click on this article. Boop, deep, boop. Oh, that's cool. Yep. It kind of looks like a Victoria Crown pigeon. Yep. Very pretty for a pigeon. Yes. <laughs> what is this noise? That is <laughs> the video. Okay. Because there's a video, too, of it. Okay. Well, anyway. Yeah. All right. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. It still exists. Yes, it does. I feel like some of these animals are just like, fuck people. We're going to stay hidden. <laughs> they don't need to know about us. Yeah. I don't blame them. I no. don't, don't want to be around people. <laughs> Same. <laughs> All right. So it is time. That is the end of the pigeon mm-hmm. story. Okay, good. Yeah. It was very short and sweet. Okay, great. <laughs> um, it is time for another breed. And we are in Africa now. So I have chosen the Azwak, I think is how you say it. A-Z-A. W-A-K-H. So that's where we're going. As a walk. Okay. So they are described as loyal, independent, and deeply affectionate. And what group do you think they're in? I Non-working you, group. I would say it's not the foundation song. Okay. It's like all of our animals are in. They're in the hound group. Oh. Okay. Oh, yeah. So now sense. going down. Okay, so their history. So the original homeland of the Azawak are the endless arid regions of the South Sahara and the Sahel Zone. The Sahel Zone? I've never heard of that before. Anyway, okay. Geographically encompassing the border region of Mali and Niger lies the center of the Azawak Valley. Found here are the most, are, excuse me, are most of the types of examples of the breed. Traditionally owned by the blue-clad... Tareg, I think T A 
sorry, T-U-A-R-E-G nomads. They are called the Idi Ileli. We're going with that. I'm assuming they do eyes like Swahili does eyes. So, Ileli. It's uh, just to spell that for you. I-D-I-I and then N apostrophe. <laughs> I-L-L-E-L-I. However you think that is. Translated from the native tongue, this means sight hound of the free people. That's so dramatic. Sight hound of the free, free people. people. Anyway, the Azawak enjoys a special appreciation from the nomads. Um, they enjoy, excuse me, a special appreciation from the nomads. They live under the same roof and are fully accepted members of the family. They assume the duty of protecting the encampment and flocks from invaders. The breed are passionate hunters and provide the family with meat. However, the mishandling of game and usage of firearms lessens the utilization of the dogs. The preferred prey is hare, antelope, and wild boar. It is here the dogs can utilize their agility and stamina. The rough and broken terrain is no hindrance in spite of their fine limbness. <laughs> that is a way to describe that. They are not prone to injury. That's impressive because they are very slender and mm. sticky. Anyway, all right. So they their height is 25 to 29 inches for the males at the shoulder and 23.5 to 27.5 for the females. They weigh about 44 to 55 pounds for the males and 33 to 44 for the females. I love that it's the same number both ways. That's fun. Their life expectancy is 12 to 15 years. And let's see here. So um, where do you think they rank out of 284? 69. 185. Oh, wait. <laughs> that was way too high. Mm. We'd never heard of this dog before. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Anyway, it's okay. You, you can't win them all. 180. How off was I? A lot. You said 69 and it was 185. 185. So more than 100 off. <laughs> yeah, about half. Yeah, okay. All right, so this is the about Yay. the breed section. So tall and elegant, the Azawak is a West African sighthound who's, who orig- originates excuse me, from the countries of... Burkina Faso, Mali, and Niger. The Azawak has a short, fine coat, which may come in any color or color combinations. Red, clear, sand, tufan. What the heck? What is clear sand? Brindle, party color, (laughs) which may be predominantly white. What the heck? Um, Blue, black, and brown. So every color. Anyway, the head may have a black mask. That'd be awesome. And there may be white markings on the legs bib and at the tip of the tail there are no color or marking disqualifications in this breed benefiting the heritage or excuse me befitting the heritage the azawak excels as a companion guardian and lure courser in the united states not sure what that is i guess probably like a greyhound chasing things i'm assuming that's what that is all right this ancient hunting hound is so lean and rangy never seen that word before r-a-n-g-y rangy rangy sure ranging mutt that's not nice mangy is oh mangy (laughs) rangy sure um that his bone structure and musculature can plainly be seen beneath the skin the smooth s-shaped contours deep chest and aerodynamic head mark the azawak as a member of the sight hound family canine sprinters that rely on keen vision and blazing speed to fix and course their prey 
The ultra-fine coat comes in several colors and patterns. The overall look of this leggy hound is one of elegance and finesse. But don't be fooled, this is a tough, durable hunter who's been chasing gazelle across the scorching sands of the Sahara for more than a thousand years. All right, so getting into their training and all that good stuff. So health, um, they have no recommended health tests for these guys. Really? And there you go. Uh, they say they're generally healthy dogs and a responsible breeder will screen for health issues such as hypothyroidism, seizures, cardiac problem, problems, autoimmune medical. Anyway, they said they're going to screen for a lot of things, but they don't have any recommended health tests. So much better than the what dog was it? The wolf one that like had a million. <sighs> All right. So grooming. The Azawak short fine coat requires minimal upkeep. A weekly once over with a soft bristle brush, a rubber grooming mitt or tool, or a hound glove, I didn't know that was a thing, is usually all that's needed to keep the coat in good condition. They don't have a doggy order, so frequent bathing isn't necessary. And even if the hound does find his way into a mud puddle, a bath may not be required. <laughs> Waiting for the mud to dry and then brushing it away may do the trick. Mm. And then, of course, ears, teeth, all the stuff that you do with all the dogs, right? Um... Okay, exercise. Let's see. I have a feeling you're going to need some. So, they are an active breed requiring daily exercise to keep both mind and body healthy. Adult Azawaks can make great running companions. Failing that. Failing that? The way they worded that. If you're not going to do this. Okay. Failing that, a daily half-hour play session in a well-fenced field park or yard will keep the hound happy and healthy however an azawak left alone in the yard will not self-exercise he is more likely to get the activity he needs in the presence of the owner or another dog uh training again train all dogs let's see if they say these guys are difficult uh, they're highly intelligent and fiercely independent. Training needs to be started early. <laughs> early socialization and puppy training classes with a trainer who has a positive approach are recommended. The Azawak possesses an amazing amount of dignity and does oh not respond gosh. well to harsh or punishment-based training. Also, don't be doing punishment-based training. Yeah. Don't. We're, we're out of that phase. Uh, which can produce a hound who is either broken in spirit or aggressive and unmanageable. Positive reward-based training with gentle but firm corrections can result in a hound who is obedient, affectionate, and loyal. And nutrition, you know, feed them good food. There you go. So, that is the Azawak. They are kind of greyhoundy looking. But obviously you'll see a picture when we post it. So there you go. Alright, so that is going to bring us to our picks for this week. And it was Casey's turn and i kind of wanted to murder you when you picked this thing because i was Why? like i don't know what these things are and then when i typed in like well say what the category is first <laughs> so it is non-canid and non-feline african carnivores so when i typed in like african carnivores what do you think showed up cats all cats and dogs a lot of dogs it was like jackals and all these things yep. but that was the category and casey <laughs> what did you choose i went with the ring-tailed vantsira which I'd never heard of before. Mm -hmm. So tell us about them. So these guys, their scientific name is Galidia elegans. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. These animals are endemic to the island of Madagascar, and most are found on the eastern side of the island, but there are a few small po isolated populations on the western side of the island. They live in more humid, forested areas, usually subtropical or tropical dry forests. They have been known to live up to 13 years in captivity, but their lifespan in the wild is most likely half of that. They are a relatively small mammal, only measuring 32 to 38 centimeters in length, and weigh about 700 to 900 grams. Is that including the tail? I believe so. That's really small, if it's including mm -hmm. the tail. Wow, okay. Mm -hmm. That's like 15 inches, folks. Yep. 
The ring-tailed Vonstira is a primarily carnivorous hunt hunting um, small mammals, invertebrates, reptiles, and even birds and their eggs. But they are also known to eat insects and even some fruit. Okay. The ring-tailed Vonstira is locally known as the ring-tailed mongoose, but this is a misnomer because this species is not a true mongoose. Mongoose are in the family Herpestidae, but the ring-tailed Vonstira belongs to the family Eupleridae, which are sometimes called the Malagasy carnivores. These animals are a unique group of carnivorous mammals that are all endemic to the island of Madagascar, and the family is pretty small, only consisting of about 10 species, and are the only terrestrial mammal mammalian carnivores on the island. Hmm, okay. There is some conflicting research on the family, but it seems that they are most closely related to the mongoose family. Like a mongoose, they have a long, slender body, and while they are mainly terrestrial, they are more arboreal than other members of their family and are quite agile climbers as well as being decent swimmers. They have short legs and their paws are actually webbed with short claws. Evidence points to them being primarily diurnal species, and they will usually spend their nights curled up in the cavities of a tree or in a burrow. There is not enough evidence to confirm the species breeding system, but they are not as social as some other species and usually found alone or in pairs, which suggests that they may be monogamous. They can sometimes be found in small groups and usually consist of a main male-female pair and are possibly a family unit in these situations. Hmm. Much of this species' form of communication is done through scent marking, but it is the only the male that possesses an anal sac, which he will rub up on tree trunks, branches, and rocks to communicate with other ring-tailed Vansira that may be in the area. <laughs> the ring-tailed Vansira is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN Red List, but their population is currently in decline. The most significant threats this species faces are deforestation, conflict with farmers due to hunting poultry, and introduced carnivores like feral cats and the small Indian civet. Studies have also shown that where there is a high amount of small Indian civet activity, the Vansira does not occupy these areas. Evidence also points to them being hunted in some areas for bushmeat and body parts being used in cultural practices by some tribes. And the species does live in several protected areas, but needs more research on to gather more information on its lifestyle and ecology in order to protect the species. Okay. Yep. So... Would you have accepted a meerkat for this category? Yes. Okay. I was thinking, because I was like, I don't know what else to do besides a meerkat. And then I was like, but they're so basic. And then luckily I was able to find what I found, which is adorable. So we're going to get into it. <laughs> so I chose the African civet. Oh my gosh. Okay. Their scientific name is Civeticus civeta. I love it so much. Okay. The African civet is a widely distributed species found throughout much of the continent, except for the northernmost and southernmost countries. With such a large range, they can also be found in multiple types of habitats, including forested areas, but also more open regions. But they prefer living where there are either tall grasses or thickets, so they can have cover for safety during daylight hours, and usually live near permanent bodies of water. In the wild, they have been known to live to be up to 15 years, and in captivity they can live to nearly 30 years, but they typically live closer to 20. They are a medium-sized carnivore. Their body length is 68 to 89 centimeters. That's bigger than I thought it was. Mm -hmm. Whoa, they're so much bigger than I thought they were, dude. I thought they were going to be like... Tiny. 60. <laughs> oh, I'm blown 
away. Mm-hmm. All right, their tail, there's the 60. <laughs> their mm-hmm. tail is 44 to 60 centimeters. Oh my God, do you have that plus that tail? Mm-hmm. That's just the body? They're so much bigger than I thought. <laughs> my mind is blown. Wow, okay, and they weigh 7 to 20 kilograms. The African civet is omnivorous and have been known to feed on carrion, rodents, birds, eggs, small reptiles, frogs, insects, as well as fruit and other vegetation. They do possess strong uh, do possess a strong stomach that allows them to eat food items that would taste disgusting or even poisonous to other mammals, such as millipedes, ugh, decaying meat, and fruit of strychnos. Strychnos. I'm guessing what that is. S T R Y C H N O S. Moving on while he looks it up. Um, when they are hunting, they use a variety of hunting behaviors, such as shaking their prey violently to break its spine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> or smacking prey like a rodent against the ground. They're so violent. Mm-hmm. Violence are... is the answer. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> they are a solitary nocturnal species that spends their days resting in tall grasses or in the thickets of the forest. They do have a cat like appearance, but they are not in the cat family but are a member of the family Viveridae, which is commonly referred to as the civets family, which includes animals such as the Binturong. We just talked about them. However, unlike its cousin from Asia, the African civet is largely terrestrial. The African civet has several black and white markings around their face, forming a mask similar to that of a raccoon, and they have a variety of dark coloration on their body, giving them great camouflage in the dark of night. Even though this is primarily a solitary species that only comes together to mate, they will communicate with each other through scent markings and using their great sense of smell. The civet will mark its territory by crouching towards the ground and pushing its perennial glands, lovely, against whatever object it wants to put its scent on, and they will also mark objects higher off the ground, usually no more than 35 centimeters high. This secretion has a very strong musky odor that can last for a long time, sometimes up to three months. Oh, God. That's disgusting. This species is actually well known for these secretions, which have been given the name civetone, which is actually used as an ingredient in perfumes. That's nasty, people. (laughs) People collect the secretion and dilute it to make a much more pleasant fragrance. Even though they mainly communicate through scent, they have other ways to communicate with one another, such as making three main kinds of sounds, including a scream, a growl, and a cough-spit sound that sometimes sounds like ha-ha-ha. <laughs> I'm guessing it's more like a ha-ha-ha <laughs> yeah. um, when they make contact with one another. I want to hear civets now. The African civet is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN Red List, even though the trade for civetone has declined dramatically over the years. The species is still threatened by collection for this trade in which they are illegally kept in cages so that people can collect and sell their musk to the perfume industry in some countries. But the most serious threat the species faces today are loss of habitat due to deforestation as well as being targets for bushmeat markets and are now under threat due to rare strains of rabies that are likely linked back to the slender mongoose. Slender mongoose sounds like a horror. (laughs) Why? It's like the Slender Man. Oh, yes. I remember. Anyway. Uh, Good times. Good times. (laughs) But they are very, very cute. Mm -hmm. I'm shocked by how big they are. I thought they were much smaller Mm -hmm. than that. So I'm kind of blown away right now. But they're very, very cute. And you should check them out. And, um, hey, Casey. Yes, Allie. So what did Ross Geller yell when he saw a large, vivid... (laughs) 
native to Africa. Pivot? Civet? Civet! Civet! So stupid. You have to love it. Civet! Civet! He'd be excited to see it. Huh? He'd be excited to see it. Oh my god. He'd be like, Anyway. Anyway, all right, that's going to bring us into our, you liked it, get oh, over it, <laughs> yard bark, <laughs> civet. All right, that's going to bring us into our animal of the week, and our animal of the week this week is the brown greater galago. The brown greater galago, which I know nothing about. So tell us about it, Casey. So these guys are in the order primates, and they're in the family Galagidae, and their scientific name is Otolemur crassicaudatus. Whoa, Okay. The species is widely distributed across Central and Eastern Africa in countries like Angola, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Eswatini, Kenya, Malawi, Mozambique, Rwanda, South Africa, Tanzania, Zambia, and Zimbabwe. <laughs> so going? So many countries. Yes. Okay. <laughs> they are an arboreal species that prefers to live in forests and woodlands. In the wild, they live between 10 to 15 years, but in captivity, they can live to be into their 20s. The brown greater galago is the largest galago species. Their head and body length is about 25 to 40 centimeters long. 40 centimeters. That's what I was expecting my guy to be. Yeah. Head and body, okay. And their tail is about 35 to 45 centimeters long. Ooh, that's like twice the size. Mm -hmm. Okay. They are a sexually dimorphic species with males being larger than females. Males usually weigh around 2 kilograms where females only weigh 1. The greater galago is omnivorous, feeding on things like fruit, gum, seeds, and insects, which can vary quite a bit depending on the season. Gum, however, makes up the bulk of their diet, constitu constituting 62% of what they eat, especially in winter months when other foods become much more scarce. Fruit usually makes up 21% of their diet, usually more in the summer, while insects make up only around 5%. When they are feeding on a tree on on gum from a tree, they can spend up to half an hour licking up the gum and chewing on the bark to expose more. And during this time, they are not very territorial, and multiple galagos will be on the same tree feeding from the same spot without much fighting. That's good. And when they are not licking on trees, they are searching on the forest floor, falling for seed for fallen seed pods and fruit. And because their diet has such a high water content, they don't need to drink much water. Their diet makes them doubly important for their ecosystem, as by eating fruit, they are important for seed dispersal of many plant species, and they are important for pest control by eating all the insects. Galagos are a species of primate, and some of their common names are bush babies, as well as nagapes. I have heard of bush baby before. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And nagapes is actually an African word that translates to night monkey. The night part of the name is fitting because they are indeed nocturnal, but the galagos are not monkeys at all. Primates get broken up into two large groups, the haplorines and the strepsorines. Monkeys are included in the haplorines, which are also known as the dry-nosed primates. Galagos are included amongst the strepsorines, which are known as the white no wet-nosed primates. <laughs> this is because they have a rhinarium on their nose, and a, what a rhinarium is, that little wet nose pad that cats and dogs have. So I'm assuming gorillas do not have that. No. So, Apes do not. Okay. So, like, would a squirrel monkey have that? No. The haplorines are going to be the monkeys and the apes and the tarsiers. Okay. And then strepsorines, 
or everything else. <laughs> so not what you think of as a monkey. No. Okay, great. No, that's going to be lemurs, lorises. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. The Galagos' closest living relatives are actually the lorises, and they are, again, also related to lemurs. The other common name of bush baby comes from the fact they make a soft clicking sound that sounds like a crying infant. And because many bush baby species look very similar, it is these crying calls that are often used to distinguish between the different species. Hmm. As a nocturnal species, the galago has saucer-shaped eyes that help them see well in low-light conditions. They also have large collapsible ears that they can rotate independently of one another to help them locate their insect prey in the dark. And once they locate where it is, they will use their strong legs to spring across large distances to catch it. Along with using their strong appendages to grasp trees, galgos also display a somewhat nasty behavior called urine washing, in which they will wipe urine across the soles of their feet to help reduce friction, as well as leave scent marks wherever they go. Ew. I'm trying to look at these collapsible ears. Mm Mm-hmm. They don't look very collapsible. <laughs> they are a social species and will often rest in the same tree as a group, usually only up to six individuals. And when it's a little past sunset, they'll groom each other or themselves before moving in on to search for food. Along with the crying-like calls the bush babies make, they will also make calls in the presence of potential predators that they will gradually make louder to warn the rest of the group and hopefully to scare off whatever threatens them. They also communicate through scent along with urine washing to leave gla- to leave scent marks. The galagos also have a patch of skin on their chest with scent glands and they will use this to leave scent marks so the rest of their group is aware of their movements. The brown greater galago is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN red list and their population is currently stable. Okay, so they definitely remind me of the mm-hmm. Tarsier. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Yes, but they are not related. And they're not as cute, honestly. <laughs> I mean, they're still kind of cute, but they're kind of weird yeah. looking, man. Yeah. And those ears don't look collapsible. Do they mean they can, like, fold it down like mm-hmm. a dog? Yeah. Okay. That's fun. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, that is the... I'm not looking at it, and I don't remember the name. That is the Brown Greater Galago, mm-hmm. which is a fun name, I must say. Yeah. That is going to bring us to our challenge, and it is my turn to challenge Casey, and it's our first Leopardy of the year. Yep. If you've not experienced Leopardy before, we don't have a better name for it. It has nothing to do with leopards, usually. It is our sort of take on Jeopardy, but it's really not very much like Jeopardy. Remind me at the end of it to tell you something, a funny video from old Jeopardy that I found. Old Jeopardy, Allie. Remember, (laughs) old Jeopardy. Okay, so um, we have four categories, five questions in a category. Okay? All right. And these are your categories. Were they included cities and countries with animal names? Were they included cities and countries? Mm-hmm. Age is just a number. <laughs> and looking back. Okay. Okay. Good Lord. Are you ready? Ten minutes. All right. The good news is were they included is a 50-50. All right. So you've got so this. Was... You should do well in this. Because you already should do well in that category. So it was. Are, were they included? Included. Cities and countries with animal names. Cities and countries. Age is just a number. Age is just a number. Looking back. Looking back. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Choose your category. Let's go with the, or they included. Okay. Is a shark included in the lyrics of Under the Sea? No. Correct. 
Is a raven included in the lyrics of Rock and Robin? Oh. I'm going to say yes. Good job. Um, okay. Is an aardvark included in, the lyri- included in the lyrics of The Naming from Children of Eden? I don't know. That does not ring a bell at all. It's a musical. I uh, know, but. It's a musical based on biblical shit and they're naming the animals. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to say no then. Okay. <laughs> like that's biblical shit anyway. <laughs> All right. Is a canary include? Oh, I'm just assuming you want the same category. Yeah. Okay, good. Is a canary included in the lyrics of Greenfinch and Lineage Bird from Sweeney Todd? I'm going to say yes. Okay. No. Damn. <laughs> that's okay. Um, are ducks included? You should get this one. Are ducks included in the lyrics of The Twelve Days of Christmas? Ducks? Yes. Oh, I didn't mean to tell you. You gotta go through it. <laughs> I don't have that time. I'm gonna say no. I'm positive. Okay, no. Yeah. Okay. All right. Moving along. Do you so want cities, cities and, country- and countries? Okay, cities and countries. Okay. With animal names in it. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. This is a well-known city in New York, named after a large animal from the Bovidae family. Bovidae. Oh, buffalo. Yep. All right. Uh, this this meta nope not Mediterranean this Middle Eastern country that shares a name with a bird. <laughs> Turkey. Yep. <laughs> All right. This island, which is part of St. Lucia, and shares a name with this widespread bird. What? Mm -hmm. It's an island. It's part of St. Lucia. And it shares a name with a very widespread bird. Finch. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) A city in New Mexico, which does not share a name with a bird... But with an animal famous for chasing one. Is this in English? Yeah, it's in New Mexico, yeah. Well, oh, New Mexico. Yeah. It chases birds? Mm-hmm. It famously chases a bird. Is this cat? Oh, my God. You're going you're gonna to regret that one <laughs> oh when you hear gosh. it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. La Palma and La Gomera. La Gomera, sorry. <laughs> Make up some of the islands of this chain, which share a name with the bird historically used in mines. Oh, the Canary. The Canary Island. Yes. All right. You want age or looking back? Let's go with age. Okay. This is the oldest living land animal. We're not talking about an individual, right? We are talking about an individual. An individual? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Old George. <laughs> Do you know how many tortoises I met named George? No. Too many. Um, that is incorrect. Damn. I mean, it is a tortoise, but that's not. Enough I know. To I saw the you. article. That's I don't not remember enough to his give name. You. Okay. Gino Wolf is the olding, oldest living this in the world. Gino Wolf. Mm-hmm. It's going to sound stupid, but I'm going to say cat. Okay. All right. <laughs> Flossie. I'm assuming that's no. how it's pronounced. Is the oldest living this in the world? That one is cat. Okay, yes, good job. That one is a cat. All right. Sadly, this one is no longer alive, but at oh. 62, old Billy was the oldest this ever recorded. Billy. Old Billy. 62. I'm going to say cow. 
close-ish. Okay. Oh, really? At 65, I think this is Fatou, Fatou, I'm not sure, F-A-T-O-U, is the oldest living this, at least in captivity, in the world. Uh, They're 65. 65? Mm Mm-hmm. Let's say rhino. Incorrect. Damn. All right, we'll come back to that. Mm. All right, we're into looking back. Fun fact, in the naming song from Children of Eden, one of the names that is included is Agama. Between our picks and the Animals of the Week, how many were Agamas? Agamas? Mm-hmm. How many? Yep. Oh, God. Picks and Animals of the Week? Mm-hmm. Damn. <laughs> oh, gosh. There was only one Agama for I'm going to say seven. No. Way off? Yes. <laughs> like devil did. We did We did family, so I assumed you were going to get that one right. Hmm? We just did family, so I thought you'd get that one right. I remember doing it for animals of the week, but not. Okay. Doing. Anyway. <laughs> but not for pigs. All right. So, oh, number two. <laughs> Magawa was the hero rat we spoke of many times on the podcast. Mm-hmm. What is the name of the hero dog from Ukraine? There's a hero dog from Ukraine? Yes, we talked about him. We did? Yes. Good grief. Earlier this year. Mm. I'm going with basic and say lucky. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Incorrect. That's a good name for it, though. <laughs> All right. In November... That was our Europe and the Arctic mm-hmm. ep- month alone. How many of our animals have been Tatsunins? Europe. Mm-hmm. Just Europe. Oh, God. Animals of the Week and Picks? Yes, just this last one. Not, okay. Yeah. I'm trying well. to remember who we all did. <laughs> Is this the last question? No, we have two more. Two more. Okay. want to say five close no scar all right and then back in september i talked about our second horse breed what was it your second chance of this one good (laughs) something fjord horse um okay i'm gonna say yes to that part so see if you can get the first part what country is known for fjords I don't know. How do you not know that? <laughs> was it? You were about to say it, I think. Norway? Yes. Okay, Norwich. so there you go. Put Norwegian for your... Yay, okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you that one. All right. Okay, Casey. What are the names of the two lead sled dogs that brought the diphtheria serum to Nome, Alaska? We'll give you half credit if you get the one right at least. Balto's not one. Yes! Oh, it is? Finally, you got one of them. <laughs> you get like half credit. Okay. I'll give you a hint. The other one, there's a sandwich shop. It's not very good. <laughs> not a good sandwich shop? I don't think it's good. Uh, it's like a big chain? or? Yeah. I mean, oh. like a Subway type situation. Where do you get your sandwiches again? No, obviously it's not Jersey Mike's. The dog's okay. name is not Jersey Mike. Not Jersey <laughs> <laughs> I 
It's the same as a s- sandwich? Yes. Not Jersey Max, not Subway. No. I must not know many. To be fair, I haven't seen it since my college days. Oh, I'm not going to. Maybe they're not in business anymore. I don't know. Uh, We're just going to move on. It's Togo. Togo. I was going to say Jimmy John's. (laughs) Why would the dog be named Jimmy John? (laughs) You know how many stupid names I've seen? (laughs) I know, but it's a little timey dog. (sighs) All right. Okay. Let me. I have to figure out how much money you made because it's not just who you got right. Okay. Hang on. Give me a second. This is fascinating. Okay. (laughs) Oh boy! I'm gonna tell you numbers and you add it. Okay. Okay. Um. So three hundred and five hundred. Three hundred, five hundred. Third eight hundred, and then uh three hundred. Okay. And then five hundred. <laughs> and then three hundred. <laughs> and five hundred. You... No, I lied. Three hundred only, not five hundred. Okay. Last time. And then uh four hundred and five hundred. $2,800. You did so much better than usual. <laughs> okay. 28 out of 6000 <laughs> All right. So let's go back through it. So were they included? Is a shark included in the lyrics of Under the Sea? No, they are not. Is a raven included in the lyrics of Rock and Robin? Yes, they are, which mm-hmm. I did not remember, but they were. <laughs> okay. Is an aardvark included in the lyrics of the naming from Children of Eden? Yes, it is. In fact, many names are in there. Okay. Um... Is a canary included in the lyrics of Greenfinch and Linnabird? No. Probably the prettiest bird listed. Anyway. Are ducks included in the lyrics of the 12 Days of Christmas? No, they are not. But Mm-mm. just about every basic bird is. I know. It's like, it's like swans are swimming. Swans are swimming. Yeah. Calling birds. Calling birds. Hens, yeah. All these things. Anyway, okay. This is a well-known city in New York named after a large animal from the Bovidae family of buffalo, obviously. This Middle Eastern country shares the name of the bird, Turkey. This island, which is part of St. Lucia, and shares a name with a widespread bird, Pigeon Island. Pigeon Island. Mm-hmm. What? You're going to kick yourself on this one. A city in New Mexico, which does not share a name with a bird, but with an animal famous for chasing one. Coyote. I <laughs> Come on. And then La Palma and La Gomero make up two of the islands of the chain, or to make up some of the islands of the chain, which shares a name with a bird historically used in mines, Canary Island. Age is just a number. This is the oldest living land animal. Jonathan. Jonathan. He's a 190-year-old. I didn't give the days. I just did the years. <laughs> 190-year-old Sechelis giant tortoise? I don't know how you say that. No. Anyway. Gino Wolf is the oldest living this in the world. He's a dog. Dog. He is 22 years old, and he is from the U.S. Yeah. Flossie is the oldest living this in the world. That was a cat. Mm-hmm. She's 26 from England. Yeah, I remember reading that. Sadly, this one is no longer alive, but at 62, Old Billy was the oldest living this ever recorded. It was a horse. Mm. And at 65, Fatou, Fatou, I'm going to say Fatou, is the oldest living this, at least in captivity in the world, that is a gorilla. Oh. He's at the Berlin Zoo in Germany. And fun fact, I don't know if it's Vila or Via, ranks number four of the oldest living gorillas. And she was 61 when she died at the animal park. Yep, I remember that. I don't remember when she died. Was it the 90s, 2000s? I forget when. No, it was very recent. Oh. Yeah, okay. I remember the article when no, she I passed. I don't remember that anyway. But um, so she was number four. Mm. Anyway, all right, looking back. Fun fact, in the naming song from Children of Eden, one of the names that is included is a gamma. Between our picks and animals of the week, how many were gammas? Three. Three. The frilled lizard was our pit, our animal yeah. of the week. 
And then we had the red-headed Rakugama. And then we had your butterfly yeah. lizard. I don't know why. The other ones weren't Agamas. Our other lizards weren't were not Agamas. I don't know why I thought we had I don't know why so... you thought we had so many. <laughs> no, like, I remember, like, there was only one for Animal of the Week. But it's like, I could have sworn we had a couple for picks. Because I thought I had to go back and check because I couldn't remember what my oscillated lizard was. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't an Agama. Mm. And the others were, like, the Western Fence Lizard and, like, to be fair, I did not check the horny toad. So if the horny it's toad... It's not an agama. Okay, then it's not... <laughs> I forgot about that one. Anyway, so, yeah, we only had three. But I was also shocked that was in that song. Mm-hmm. Anyway. All right, so, uh, Magua was the hero rat we spoke of in the podcast many times. Who was the name of the hero dog from Ukraine? That's Patron. Patron. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that because I brought up my friend Snake's name, Patron. Yeah. And then in November, Europe in the Arctic, alone, how many of our animals have been tosonyms? It was four. Four. It was the chamois, the Eurasian mm-hmm. magpie, the red kite, and the Norway lemming. <sighs> Craziness. All right. Back in September, I talked about our second horse breed. What was it? The Norwegian Ford horse. And then what are the names of the two lead sled dogs that brought the diphtheria serum to Nome, Alaska, Balto, and Togo? At least you got Balto yeah. that time. Mm-hmm. That's the one you've been disrespecting endlessly. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to put this question on here at every single time. You're going to learn this. If you know, I teach you I should nothing also else. know Togo because I had a professor whose wife is from Togo. There you go. I guess I could have also discussed it. <laughs> anyway, but, um, but there you go. So you will learn. By the end of this podcast, if I teach you nothing else, you will know Balto. <laughs> And then I learned I have to also appreciate Togo. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so we'll learn that. And I know Myrmacophagus and Torpor and Ovoviviparous. <laughs> All these fancy words. And Tottenham. Yep. I'm so fancy. I'm just so fancy. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to bring us to the end of this episode, episode 105. And as always, we're your host, Allie. And Casey. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addict Podcast. Bye.